TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Good morning, good Sunday morning, good AFC East winning morning. No, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No, too much. Uh, Whatever it is, good morning, happy 2022, first hard line of the year. It is great to be with you this morning. We have a packed show for you, so you hear enough of me talking during the week, so let's get to the show, and we will start with State Senator Rob Ort, the Minority Leader. Uh, Senator, good morning. Joe, good morning. Happy New Year to you. Happy 2022. And, you know, 2022, we look nationally for Republicans. Uh, Could be a good year. It looks right now that it it will be a a good election year in November. Here in New York State, uh, what are we looking, what are the Republicans' plan heading into 2022? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I think 2022 is going to be a very good year for Republicans, uh, I think we had a preview of that uh, a month and a half ago with the big victory in uh, Virginia, the gubernatorial race uh, there. But I'll look closer to home uh, downstate uh, on Long Island, which is a very you know a key uh, part of the state when you talk about uh, Republicans and our chances of gaining seats in the Senate. It's key to uh, the gubernatorial race uh, with Lee Zeldin uh, uh, running there, uh, being from Long Island. And, you know, in Long Island, we had sweeping victories uh, around the issue of bail reform and the cashless bail, soft on crime policies that Democrats have put into place. Uh, both DA's races went to the Republican. The county executive in Nassau, who was a Democrat, lost to a Republican, and the Republicans picked up the majority in the legislature in Suffolk County. So I look at that as a very good sign and a harbinger of our prospects. But look, we have to make sure that people know that there's an alternative. There's another option to the Democrats' uh, governing philosophy and what we've seen here in New York State. I think for a lot of people, they've only known Democratic governors. They've only known New York State as a liberal state. And I think we as Republicans have to be clear and concise about what we stand for, putting forward pro-law enforcement policies that we want to make the state safer, putting forward pro-economic, pro-growth policies. We can make the state more affordable, more business-friendly, keep people here, keep people from leaving. And then, obviously, uh, we need to show that we can uh, you know, offer a different way of governing uh, through uh, you know, this pandemic. Instead of by governing by fear, instead of making people choose between uh, you know, their job, weaponizing the government against them, um, you know, we need to be able to, to look to other states and how they've governed through the last two years, and and by the way, they've had many of them have had uh, better numbers as far as deaths, as far as cases and hospitalizations than New York State has. So we need to lay out our blueprint. We started that this past week. Uh, it's going to be a long road ahead, Joe, but I am very optimistic about our chances to pick up seats in the Senate. I'm very optimistic about our chances in the governor's race, 
I think it's going to be a good night uh, for Republicans in November 2022. And, and you did uh, earlier in the week brought up the uh, Take Back New York 2022. You, you laid out that plan and you, you said, you know, to tell the people of New York they have an alternative, which is kind of refreshing to hear because right now it seems with the politics of New York State, anyone who isn't, you know, to the left seems like the only alternative is to pack up the U-Haul and get out of New York State. Well, it, 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 and I, I certainly can appreciate why people are at that point, right? You, you just you look around and you think the Democrats, and, and not just Democrats, but progressive Democrats. I mean, left of 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 left Democrats, uh, openly avowed Democratic socialists. These are the folks who are running every level of of New York State. They control New York City. Uh, they control uh, the governor's mansion, the legislature. And um, and even Washington D.C. And so I think for people who are uh, conservative, people who believe in uh, you know, individual liberty, people who believe in free enterprise, people who believe in the support of law enforcement, who believe in uh, you know uh, uh, strong borders, all these things um, seem you know under attack by the left, and people don't know where to turn. And they think, well, you know, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave New York State and go to some other state. Uh, that, that respects those things and, and promotes those things. We as Republicans, I think it's important to lay out that we can do this here in New York, that we have an agenda here in New York uh, that, that is a, a contrast to what we've seen from Andrew Cuomo, uh, now from Kathy Hochul, and certainly from my colleagues in the legislature. Uh, but we have to be very clear. We can't back away from, from that agenda. We can't back. I think people are, are hungry for an alternative, for a different option. But we need to give that to them. We can't uh, run as sort of um, you know imitations of our colleagues across the aisle. I think we have to stake out our agenda, uh, and, and we are going to take back New York. Uh, and obviously, it starts with us this session going forward. Uh, it started last week, and it's going to go on uh, through November of 2022. And hopefully, that will lead into a good uh, January 2023. And I agree with you. All the things that were laid out um, in your speech for Take Back New York, obviously all things that are important. If you if you asked everyone that's leaving the state, they would mention something that's on this list. But going into 2022, it looks like it'll be Lee Zeldin uh, against Kathy Hochul. Uh, what, which of these do you think is going to attract those downstate votes? Because let's be honest, that's where it's going to be won or lost for governor. In 2022, what do you think the strong message will be to flip some of those not as far left Democrats that I think you're trying to attract. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think you know, and and I don't want to speak for the the Zeldin campaign, but if if I'm looking at where things are shaping up, certainly downstate, uh, as I said, when you're talking about Long Island, when you're talking about uh, those New York City suburbs, I, I I think absolutely the 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 crime, the increase in crime, the increase in violent crime, uh, is, is a real cause of concern. Um, in fact, just the other day, the Manhattan District Attorney sort of doubled down uh, on, on this blanket memo of, of all these crimes that he's not going to prosecute. Uh, you know, even though he's the lead prosecutor, um, apparently he, he doesn't believe that's in, in his job description. So the, a lot of the far left Democrats, they're sort of digging in on the soft on crime. Their focus is on the criminal. Their focus is on that the criminal is the victim. Our feeling is that the victim is the victim, and we are creating more victims with these policies that are focused exclusively on people who break the law as opposed to people who are trying to abide by it or are, are supposed to be protected by it or are out enforcing it. And so I think crime, 
cashless bail, judicial discretion. Um, and there's other laws that are out there that Democrats support, uh, like, you know, taking away uh, uh, protection for our police officers, um, you know, forcing them to cover. He had their own insurance policies out there. I mean, just crazy ideas. So I think criminal justice, cashless bail, that's going to be a huge issue. I think the issue around education, you're seeing, you know, a, a real fight about keeping kids in school or going back to, to remote. Um, you're, you're seeing, you know, things that are being taught in certain schools um, versus, you know, math and science and things that we should be teaching our kids. Uh, down in New York City, they want to get rid of advanced testing that would allow people a chance to, you know, to move up. I mean, that, that's advanced testing and allowing kids who are, uh, you know, smart and have a, a certain abilities to obviously uh, advance themselves uh, and give them their, their futures a, a leg up, so to speak. So I think those are going to be the big issues, certainly downstate, even in districts that are Democratic leaning. Crime always pulls up poorly, Joe. People want to feel safe. They know the economy can't come back. They know the state can't come back. They know we can't keep people here if people don't feel safe to live in New York State and in parts of New York State. So I think that's going to be the, the, the number one issue as we go forward to this year uh, in a lot of races. Also this week, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul gave her first State of the State address. Was there anything that um, was alarming to you or anything that stuck out to you of her speech? So there, well, there was there was uh, it was a lot of platitudes. Obviously, there was uh, some of the details, and, and that's just how these speeches go. Uh, they were light on. So one thing that, that concerned me, you know, it was she, she focused. She did spend some time talking about agriculture and farms, which I thought was great. As someone who represents a rural district, uh, and certainly uh, our conference represents a lot of farms and and farmers, but she mentioned uh, a, a overtime tax credit for farmers. Now, there's a major issue that's pending this month about lowering the overtime threshold for farm workers, which farmers and the Farm Bureau unanimously oppose and would be disastrous, not only for our farmers, but for farm workers who want to work here in New York State. I'm concerned that that sort of that that uh, focus on overtime credit could be her telegraphing that there's going to be a lowering of the overtime threshold, and that's her way of trying to maybe offset uh, that lowering, which I, I think would be a mistake. Uh, I still don't think it would be, uh, it would, it would undo the damage uh, to our farmers. So that was something I'm, I'm going to be watching. Um, you know, she's certainly, you know, her talk about tuition assistance for people who are incarcerated. Um, I think I rejected that several years ago when her predecessor put it forward. Um, now she's putting it forward. Look, it's someone that goes to jail, Joe, and pays their debt and comes out. If they want to go to college and they want, I'm fine with that. But until, you know, my, I have plenty of constituents who struggle to put their own kids through college. The idea that we're going to provide tuition assistance, tax dollars, people sitting in jail, uh, incarcerated for all kinds of crimes. Again, I think that is a completely misguided focus. I think is completely out of touch with where most New Yorkers are and, and believe we should be spending uh, tax dollars. So those were two things that jumped out. We could go probably for another hour talking about the speech in general. Those are two things that I thought were um, problematic or concerning, certainly for me and my conference. And then there's there's always COVID. And what do you think of the state now finally, um, you know, passing out those at home tests? And then I look at counties like Erie and they only had 80,000 tests sent to them. I mean, you have people every day, I, I, the, our text board every day. Hey, where did you find those at home tests? Where can we get at home tests? 
the state buys all these at-home tests, and then I'm looking county by county. I mean, that's barely a fraction of their population. Uh, what do you think of the ongoing um, COVID strategy from Albany? Well, it just to me, it it's hard to say that there's been a, a concise strategy. It seems um, to be, you know, it seems to, to move and constantly shift. Um, again, there's other states that I can uh, point to that I think have done a, a much more consistent, clear uh, 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 COVID strategy, not one based on fear or weaponizing the government against people. Uh, the testing, the sh- testing shortage. Uh, in New York State has, has been, I mean, here we are two years into a pandemic, um, and, and somehow we, we couldn't anticipate that people would want or need uh, at-home tests. Um, I know the state is, is buying them and, and, and pushing them out. I know here in Niagara County and in Erie and Western New York. But again, there's still a number of people that, that can't get access to it. Um, and yet, at the same time, she's telling folks, um, you know, now healthcare workers, that if you don't get boosted, uh, you, you're going to have to you know, lose your job when, in fact, we know that people who are boosted, and I know people that are vaccinated and boosted, that still are getting COVID and conceivably could still pass on COVID. So it just seems that the focus has been has been misplaced by her, uh, certainly by her predecessor. Uh, it seems that they're following political science more than they are actual science. And I think that we need to be focusing more on testing more on allowing people uh, to make smart decisions uh, in their own lives when it comes to this. If you look at our numbers, the number of deaths, Joe, we lead the nation. I mean, so for all these efforts we've made, for all the people we've put on the unemployment line, for all of the businesses that have been shuttered, for all the kids that lost a year of school, it's hard to argue that it has worked tangibly better than states that have not done those things. And so that's where I think our focus needs to be uh, as we go forward. And, you know, you, men- you mentioned the booster shot. And, and hey, you know, I, as I always say, I, I'm, I'm vaccinated. But like you said, you've got the virus that people are getting boosted. Just look at Dem- look at the uh, the Senate. Look at uh, the, the, right. the you had Elizabeth Warren. You had Cory Booker. They were boosted and got uh, COVID. And as you said, they're passing it with this new variant. Do these mandates now for booster shots at colleges and uh, booster shots for the medical profession, does that make any sense? It, it doesn't to me, and I and I want to be very I want to be clear when I I'm not suggesting that somebody don't get not get a vaccine or, or get a booster shot. If that's what you want to do, I did, um, and I could explain to anybody or, or, or argue why that makes sense uh, for me. Certainly, I just don't think that if you don't get it, I don't see the science backing up why somebody would have to lose their job or be terminated as a result of it, or why they couldn't go to college as a result of it. That's the point that, I'm, that, that I think stands out to me. Based on the data and the science we know, that people still can get it and they can still pass it on, then why would we say if you don't get it, you're going to lose your job, you can't go to college, you can't do That's the part that's not making a whole lot of sense to me um, because the data doesn't back that. If they could say that it was foolproof, then you might have a, a case to make. I, I still think there would be a a constitutional individual liberty argument, but you could at least make a scientific case why somebody, you know, um, uh, would not want it, you wouldn't want them working in a hospital, let's say. But we know that factually 
they still can't get it. They still can't transmit it. So why are we forcing people to choose between their livelihoods or their, their, their academic goals or their job, whatever it might be, um, based on a vaccine and a booster that probably keeps you out of the hospital, but certainly doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get COVID or transmit it. I think there is, therein lies the, the inconsistency. And, and it just, it's become a political focus, right? Some people are just vaccine for vaccine's sake. And other, obviously, you know, there's, there's the other side of that argument, too, that no matter what anybody says, they'll never get it. I think we got to be smart about this. we got to use common sense, use what we know. Uh, but, again, stop using the state as a, a weaponizing against uh, its residents. Stop dividing people along this uh, pandemic. And let's get to common sense solutions and allow people to live their lives. And that's how we're going to get out of this pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, one final question, uh, also happening this week. Uh, former Governor Andrew Cuomo will not be criminally charged. Were you surprised by this announcement? I was disappointed. You know, uh, I don't know how, how often I get surprised anymore by uh, things that I that I hear, uh, whether it's out of Albany or, or generally in, in politics. But, you know, I was disappointed uh, for two reasons, Joe. One is, I think there's, most people would agree that if his name wasn't Andrew Cuomo, no one believes that he would not have been prosecuted were the charges the same. And that's a really frustrating, disappointing thing for a lot of people, uh, the notion that, that if it was them or if it was someone they knew with the same allegations, they would be, have been charged. And I think it's also, you know, it's, it's tough for folks to, to make the argument that women should, you know, come forward. And these women all came forward. And, yes, he's out of office, but there's no, no prosecution going forward uh, against claims in some cases that were pretty serious, you know, sexual assault claims. Um, and that's the one we're talking about in Albany County. And so very disappointing that someone like Andrew Cuomo, uh, who skated for a long time when he was the governor, uh, looks like he's going to continue to skate. Uh, I'm glad he's out of office, but there's no question he should uh, face justice in a court of law, in my opinion, not just for this, but for a host of other things, including the nursing home uh, scandal and cover up. Um, and even there, uh, one has to wonder if there ever will be true justice for those families uh, against uh, now disgraced Andrew Cuomo. And I do have one more question. I lied. I have one more question. We're seeing this in New York City, a new law that allows non-citizens to vote. What do you think of that law, and is there any danger of that becoming a state thing down the road? Well, you can uh, imagine, and hopefully your listeners know, I vehemently oppose that law. I have warned against this kind of thing for a couple of years now. I, I was firmly convinced that my colleagues across the aisle that this is really where they wanted to go, that they wanted to grant sort of de facto citizenship to people who were here that were not citizens. Uh, and, the, and the best way to do that, well, you know, there's driver's licenses, there's all kinds of unemployment benefits, which they've done both of those things. The sort of the next thing to me always was voting. New York City, as you mentioned, passed a law, 800,000 as of today, uh, non-citizens will be eligible to vote for New York City elections. I have every reason to believe at some point there will be a push to make this statewide. Uh, and it is something that every New Yorker should oppose. There is, there is nothing, I don't care what your political background is, there's nothing in the Constitution that should back up. And I think if it's challenged, the New York City law, it will fail on constitutional grounds. But I think it's a very danger and it shows how far out of touch and 
how dangerous the left is. They're actually trying to undermine uh, U.S. citizenship, American citizenship, by allowing people who are not here legally, who are not citizens, the right to vote and elect who runs this country. Very dangerous, very bad. We will oppose that tooth and nail should it ever come up in the, in the state senate. I had to do a double take. I couldn't believe it when I first read it. I had to uh, reread it again to make sure I wasn't reading it wrong. Uh, State Senator, before I let you go, how do you feel about the Bills against the uh, New Jersey Jets? You know, against the Newark Jets, uh, I feel uh, very good. Uh, now, I, I also felt good when they played Jacksonville earlier, but that was a different part of the season. Uh, I will be uh, in attendance today, braving the, the, the elements, but I feel very good about today's game, second consecutive AFC East championship, and then we'll... Uh, We'll see who we're hosting next week. Yeah, it'll be nice to win it at home. It'll also be nice if the Cleveland Browns can help us out and we move up to that third spot. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I I think they will. The Bengals aren't playing a lot of their starters. I think the Browns win, Bills move up to third, and then we'll see if we play the Colts or the Patriots or whoever we play in the playoffs. It'll be nice. State Senator Rob Ort, Minority Leader, thank you so much for uh, joining me, and go Bills. Thanks, Joe. Go Bills. That is State Senator Rob Ort. As I mentioned, he is the minority leader in the state Senate. When we come back, Michael Cornell will be joining us to talk about test to stay. Where are we when it comes to test to stay here in Erie County? We'll answer that when we come back. It's Hardline on WBEN. Well, tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, welcome back. Hardline, first episode of 2022. Happy to have you with us this morning. Joe Beamer with you for another 90 minutes. No, 81 minutes, if we do the math correctly. Um, it is AFC East winning day. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I feel pretty good. Uh, Joining us this segment as we talk about the test-to-stay plan in Erie County is the president of the Erie Niagara School Superintendents Association, Michael Cornell. Mike, good morning. Morning, Joe. How are you? Doing well this morning. Mike, there was a meeting last week about test-to-stay here in Erie County. Uh, What did we learn, and what is the plan going forward? Well... We learned that I think the delays are behind us. Um, School leaders, public and private, are are ready to go. Uh, We talked a bit about process. We talked a little bit about how the changes in the quarantine periods and isolation periods uh, in the state will impact test to stay. Uh, We talked about availability of test kits. 
Um, so we had all those conversations, and I think that the real outcome is uh, you're going to see tests to stay in most public school districts and most private schools uh, get up and running this week. So this could be in place by by Monday for most schools? Yeah, so let's, there's this kind of weird period where you had a bunch of kids who were quarantined last week under the 10-day uh, quarantine rule. Now we shift to five. So we have to kind of, you know, in Hamburg, our nurses were calling families over the weekend to give them new return dates under the five-day return rule. So I think what you'll see, like in Hamburg, the way it's going to roll out is if we identify any close contacts on Monday, um, I think it'll roll out this way in most school districts, you know, starting Monday, if we identify close contacts on Monday, then they would be eligible to test to stay beginning on Tuesday. You know, we've noticed around Erie County, around New York State, uh, the lack of being able to find a test. Have school districts secured enough tests for this plan to go through? I think for the most part, we feel optimistic about it. We've got notification over the weekend of some state deliveries of tests, Um you know, I'll, I'll compliment uh, the county executive, Mark Polencars, and his budget team. I think they've been um, pretty active out there trying to find tests uh, that we can use for tests to stay in Erie County. Um, so I think, and, and I think a lot of us also have some tests that we can use to start. So, um, you know, I think for right now, we feel like uh, given the supply chain issues that we have, I think we feel like we're in a fairly decent spot. Um, but we also don't know how many close contacts we're going to identify, how many tests we're going to need. Uh, the reduction of the quarantine period from 10 days to five days will certainly have the effect of reducing uh, the number of tests that we actually have to give uh, through test to stay. And now how would this work? So as you said, if you're identified as a close contact on Monday, do you go into school on Tuesday to test? Is there a site? Is it a take-home test? Yeah, the, the tests all have to be given on school property. Uh, the state does give the option uh, to counties of at-home testing. Uh, Erie County Department of Health chose to make sh- uh, chose to require that the tests happen on school property. Um, so what will happen is, um, you know, all of the close contact uh, notifications are made by schools. I mean, that that work has been done since the beginning. By school, school districts spend between 1,500 and 2,000 hours uh, across the county a week on quarantine notifications, close contact case investigations, and the like. So a parent will get a phone call from somebody at the school, and they say that your child has been identified as close contact. Uh, They'll let them know that they can test to stay the next day. Um, child will come to school. We, We really, I think most school districts would prefer parents bring their child to school uh, so that they can, um, you know, drop their child off and wait for the result. And that the test is positive, uh, they'd have to bring the child home. The child would have to isolate. But if the test is negative, they go to they go to their classes. So the test will happen on the school property, probably in the health office. But I think every school district is going to try to figure out a spot according to their their space need. Um, you know, they'll test. Typically, I think the way it's going to roll out in most districts. You know, you'll test on the day after you've been identified as a close contact, and then you'd also test on day five uh, because uh, the requirement is that students test two out of the five days. Um, so that's how it'll roll. Uh, the, typically the first day after they've been identified as a close contact, 
and then on day five. And then after day five, there's no more test uh, to stay. You just stay as long as you're asymptomatic. That's a key part of it. If, if the child develops symptoms while they're in the test to stay protocol, then they have to um, uh, isolate. They won't be able to test to stay. So that was my next question. So if you test positive, say, on Tuesday, in five days, which would be the following Monday, um, if you test positive again, do you have to stay now? Now do you go to the 10-day quarantine, and then you're, ju- you're welcome back in five extra days? Well, remember, these are, these are unvaccinated close contacts who, have, who don't have symptoms and who haven't tested positive. So as long as you continue to test negative, then you're, then you're uh, able to go to school. But if, if on that day five, the child tests positive, um, then they would have to isolate for five days according to the state requirement. But you don't have to test negative to come back to school. You just have to wait the five days if you test positive. For, if, so if you're, if you're a positive, uh, so if you test positive on a Monday um, and you continue to um, your, your symptoms resolve, uh, you're fever-free for 24 hours without fever-reducing medication, uh, then you can return on day six without testing negative. That's correct. All right. I'm sorry. I think I confuse people. I, I apologize. So if you test negative day one on day five, you have to test again. If you test positive on day six, you're welcome back to school. No. So let's so let's let's make we're conflating two different people. So if we just take the circumstance of a child who is um, who is identified as a close contact and they're unvaccinated. Right. So we're just talking about a child who's unvaccinated uh, or not fully vaccinated who has, who has never tested positive, they're just identified as a close contact. They sat next to each other on a bus. Um, you know, they sat, you know, shoulder to shoulder in lunch. They're seven years old. You know, they had their masks off during lunch because you got to eat with a mask off, obviously. And for some reason, they're shoulder to shoulder, like looking at Pokemon carts, right? Which, again, we separate the kids in lunch. This is not a typical circumstance. Let's just say this happens. So the child who's the close contact right? That child could come back to school the next day by testing to stay, right? And then they also, as long as they test negative throughout, then, you know, they continue to go to school. And then on day six, you know, the quarantine period would be over anyway. So then also is the test to stay period. They just come to school as normal without any testing. So that's a child who's an unvaccinated close contact and, and who is asymptomatic that is what test to stay is for, right? So then if we take another child, a child who actually tests positive, you know, they typically don't, you know, COVID-19 does not transmit well in school, obviously, as we know, but the child goes to a sleepover, a hockey tournament, you know, Aunt Millie's birthday party, whatever it is, and they don't feel well, they test positive. So child, te- you know, experiences symptoms on Monday, family takes their child to get tested on Monday, the child turns up positive. Then you're talking about an isolation period. Isolation is for children, people who actually test positive for COVID. Quarantine is for people who didn't test positive, but they're close contacts, right? So now we're talking about a child who actually tested positive. They have COVID. Um, so that means they have to do a five-day isolation period. It used to be 10, now it's five. So now what that child does is they stay home, obviously, because uh, they're isolated. And as long as their symptoms improve, or a lot of these kids are asymptomatic anyway, 
So as long as they remain without symptoms or their symptoms are resolving and they're 24 hours at least fever-free without the use of fever-reducing medication, then that child can return to school after their five-day isolation period is over. So so this conversation brings up a good point, Joe, because um, I just sent a letter out to my community, and and one of the last uh, paragraphs, they said, look, this, there's a lot of moving parts to all this stuff. It's going to be super confusing for, for families. Um, and, and the one thing that they can count on, not just in Hamburg, but across Western New York, is you have amazing school-based nurses, school administrators, and other school staff who are going to work with families to make sure that they understand exactly what their child needs to do and why um, and make sure that we keep our schools safe by making sure that we don't have COVID-infected kids in our school but also to make sure that we're removing barriers to school attendance because we know that we need our kids in school if they're healthy and well. Now, you keep saying unvaccinated. What is the rule for a fully vaccinated student? Are they welcome back to school without any kind of testing? Yes. Okay, so that stays the same. If you're a vaccinated close contact, you you, uh, keep going to school unless you feel sick. Yep. Now, I, I know this is something that we're probably not far, we're not close to, um, but is there any talk on masking policies, easing those up, or being more strict when it comes to masking in schools? I have not heard either. Um, I, I think uh, masking protocols are going to remain what they have been since September of 2020. Um, we have not had any uh, significant outbreaks of COVID anywhere that I'm aware of in the state uh, that has anything to do with the current masking protocols that are very common across the state. So I've not heard any any talk of tightening mask mandates um, or or removing them. Although obviously, you know, one of the things that I, I think we have to start to make sense of is what does school look like when we reach the endemic phase? Right? We have better line of sight into way the that COVID-19 moves through the community and impacts people. Uh, We have more people who are vaccinated. Uh, We have, um, you know, the antivirals and other treatments are much more accessible to a wider range of people. Um, We have to make sense of what we do in school so it's less disruptive to in-person learning, you know, by requiring quarantine. Um, You know, we have to, I think at some point we have to take off the table um, a third year of mask mandates and, and things like that. Like that, that at some point we need to reconcile ourselves as a society that we can't be talking about these mandates and disruptions to the school day uh, for 2022-2023. And, and we should never, ever be talking about uh, preemptive school closings again. And the fact that it's being done in Chicago and Milwaukee, I'm sure the bars and the restaurants and the liquor stores are open in Chicago, yet the schools are closed, uh, which calls into question exactly what are the priorities of the society that would allow that to happen. That's, that's another thing I wanted to ask. Has that been stressed to the uh, districts locally, um, the importance of keeping in school and not going back to that virtual? Because, you know, a lot of parents see what's going on in Chicago and, you know, reports of other districts around the country and, you know, fear that that could be coming back to Western New York. The idea of a preemptive school closing is, is not, I mean, I'm completely against it. You've heard me say it a hundred times, Joe. Um, and I think every school superintendent would echo that. 
And I'll give some some credit to the, the president, the, the governor, and I, I do believe County Executive Poland Cars understands the importance of having schools be open five days a week to kids. Um, you know, so preemptively closing schools in Western New York or across the state seems extremely unlikely. But I mean, it, it's also true um, that any school district or any particular school at some point could be faced with a staffing problem if they have, you know, a significant number of staff who can't come in and they can't safely staff the school. You know, that that could be uh, a challenge for a school that might be too difficult to overcome, depending on, you know, which staff and how many of them are able to come in. So uh, but to preemptively close, I mean, obviously that's going to happen because, you know, three things have been true since the beginning of the pandemic. First, school, there's no safer place for a child to be than in a school. Um, we know that schools are incredibly important because of the needs we meet, academic, social, emotional, mental health, physical, nutritional. Um, you know, all of those needs are, are uh, met in, in the school, and they're incredibly important in the lives of our children. And we need to make sure that our schools are open five days a week for in-person learning. Uh, I don't think there's any more important societal priority than making sure we're educating our children in person. And, you know, something else that we see starting to happen, we see it at the college level. I just wonder if it's been discussed, and that would be vaccine mandates for certain uh, grade levels going into uh, September. You know, I haven't heard too much talk of that. I mean, you, you run into a bit of a challenge with that. You've, you know, particularly with our younger kids, vaccine uptake is maybe 38, 40 percent on our 5 to 11s across the state. Um, you know, I think you've got a lot of parents who are still reluctant to vaccinate their children if their child has no underlying condition or no other comorbidity. They're not immunocompromised. I think a lot of families are looking at the cost benefit and saying, you know what, right now uh, for a lot of children, uh, they are asymptomatic. Um, and, you know, there's some reluctance to vaccinate uh, children against a disease that is likely to not cause them a serious seriously negative health outcome. So when I talk to parents, there's just a lot of, a, a lot of hesitation, particularly when you, you would consider that the most, I would say one of the most heavily vaccinated and boosted uh, workforces anywhere in the country, uh, certainly in New York State, is our, is our educational workforce. Um, so they have protected themselves um, in, in whatever way they, they feel they need to um, from COVID-19. So I think a lot of parents look at that and say uh, they want to hold off a little bit um, because they, they want to do their own cost-benefit analysis instead of having it done for them. And I think the legislature would just have to grapple with the fact uh, that it would be just another extremely divisive issue uh, at a time when most people are growing very weary of a series of COVID-related policies that have the effect of driving wedges between people. Exactly. And one final thing, how do you feel about the Buffalo Bills today? I feel pretty good, Joe. Um, you know, I think the Bills have, um, you know, I think they've, they've diversified their offense in a way that allows them to win in a lot of different ways. So um, I think the, the coaches have done a good job of making sure that they're ready to attack the Jets or anybody else uh, according to uh, what they do well, and their defense is great. So um, I feel good. Michael, I know it's been a busy week. I, uh, I appreciate you uh, putting some time aside for me on Sunday. Okay, yes, sir. Good talking to you.
That is Michael Cornell. He is the superintendent at Hamburg Central Schools, also the president of the Erie Niagara School Superintendents Association, joining me. Very important stuff there. If you missed any of that interview, you can find it on WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. When we come back, we're going to D.C. to talk to Buffalo's own Dave Leventhal. That's after news here on WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.